There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped at 10th and Grinch, Michael Pfizer. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, 27-year veteran. You know, folks, when we look into the uh, Cassie Cawley case and other violence cases against women, we ask a lot of questions. We ask, could this maybe have been prevented through domestic violence services? And, you know, we ask questions like, how clear was it in this case that there was a domestic violence history, that was a, there was a domestic violence problem in this case. Was it clear? Did we know that? And were the precautions taken by Cassie? And not again, no victim blaming, but there was uh, there's some evidence that there was a domestic violence history going back to 2018. Uh, so Cassie Cawley's disappearance has focused uh, the attention on issues of domestic violence, even though many details have not been released surrounding her death. Now, they haven't come out with the results of the autopsy yet. I, I think there's like a 99% chance it's going to be determined that it was it was a homicide, and then we'll find out what the uh, the cause of death was. You know, and but when we talk about domestic violence, here's a, here's a couple that had a child in common. And so they they had to deal with each other. She had to deal with this guy, even though she had a history of making reports against him. Um, there was a domestic violence injunction against Marcus Spanavello. Uh, on Sheriff Johnson uh, asked if Collie and her ex-boyfriend Marcus Spanavello had any domestic violence history. He said he believed Collie had filed the domestic violence injunction and in fact, that did occur, and it went all the way back to 2018. I'll remind everyone that um, the child, Sailor, Sailor was four years old. So this goes back to probably before she was born or right around the time she was born that Cassie was threatened by this guy. And what can we do? What can women do? That are threatened with these domestic violence situations. I'm going to play a little of a um, an interview with a local TV station in regards to this. I'm going to share this on the screen and see what they have to say about it. Sue, you're right. We don't know all the details, but I can tell you court records reveal several domestic related cases between K Cassie Carley and her ex Marcus Spanavello. Tonight, her family isn't alone in their grief or their mission to make sure others know there are resources available. We have all been just sick, just absolutely sick about it because this is what we do. Sharon Rogers is the executive director of Safe Connections. We need the victims out there to know that we're here and that they can reach out to us 
Uh, they can have their attorney reach out to us. The nonprofit provides supervised visitation and safe exchanges for families who are dealing with abuse or domestic violence. Santa Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson told reporters Sunday Cassie Carley had filed a domestic violence injunction against her ex Marcus Spanavello. I obtained a copy of that order, which was temporarily granted in 2018. I also found a slew of other domestic-related cases filed by the pair in at least two Northwest Florida counties. Rogers says it's important to share resources are out there. After hearing Cassie was last seen after a custody exchange of her four-year-old daughter, Sailor. We pretty much stand between a victimized parent and their victimizer. She tells me she wants to make sure moving forward, no other family has to go through what the Carleys are. So nobody that is uh, in a case which involves any allegation of domestic violence will pay anything. We will get them set up, uh, talk to both parents and figure out a time and uh, day that they need to exchange. We work with what the court has given them, what our hours are, what their limitations are, and we find the safest uh, time to be able to do their, their child exchange. The nonprofit has three locations in Okaloosa and Walton counties where people can also safely make these exchanges. Rogers says they are planning to create a fourth location in Navarre. This is definitely Cassie driven. We just feel like that's somewhere that has now presented a huge need that we can't walk away from. Well, folks, you see that there's some nonprofits that are out there to help women who are victims of domestic violence. I think that possibly part of the problem is being afraid to ask or being afraid to go and tell them that you have this problem. Uh, obviously, Cassie had filed reports with the police. So there's it's on record. So why not use these organizations that, that can help people? Uh, it's just so, so important, you know, uh, especially in, in a case like this where you have a child in common. How does a woman stay safe? Uh, the police can't protect you. An order of protection is a piece of paper. It doesn't protect you. Uh, you have to, though, when there is violations of these orders or there's threats made against you, you have to liaison with the police you have to have them as partners with you because we see what happens when these cases are allowed to get out of hand out of control we see that it can end in in, in horrible violence and death and it, it's just we're seeing too many of these cases on a national level it's just it's just horrendous and you know cassie's family and her friends they knew they knew what was going on here. And I'm not, again, not blaming anyone. However, what can we do in the future? How can we help prevent this in the future so this doesn't happen again? And, it, you know, of course, uh, when I say it doesn't happen again, it's going to happen again. It's probably happening right now as I speak. Um, there's these relationships, but how can we prevent them? How can we prevent the violence from escalating? You know, we speak about, in these domestic violence cases, no one should be getting hit by anyone. No one should be taking any abuse or threats, harassment, assault, menacing, reckless endangerment, uh, disorderly conduct, any of those things. Those are part of the 
domestic violence offenses, harassment, assault, disorderly conduct, uh, assault, uh, reckless endangerment, menacing. Those are the domestic violence offenses that reports should be made when someone is is the victim of it. And it's just, in this case, it's just horrendous because um, it's clear that something was going on here of a, a nefarious nature. And uh, did Cassie report it? And obviously, she had been on top of it. However, it, it escalated. It, and it was getting worse and worse. And perhaps that wasn't reported. I understand and I know she told her family that she was terrified over Marcus. I'm going to play a little of this, um, his arraignment, uh, and we'll see what he's all about. Your Honor, he's got a fugitive from justice charge taken out by uh, Trooper Cotton with Tennessee Highway Patrol. The defendant is charged on the oath of a critical person by a judge in the state of Florida. The defendant does now does have issued warrants for his arrest with full extradition. The defendant was stopped for a traffic violation that occurred on I-65 in Murray County. Oh. He's got the hold from Santa Rosa County, Florida, Your Honor. All right. Mr. Spinanello, are you willing to waive extradition? Not at this moment. Okay. Well, they have a. Some things. Sir, there are some things that need to be resolved before um, we'll to go, to go that route. Okay. Well, I put you back on the review docket for thirteen for thirteen April, and then we'll meet again to review your status as far as extradition. Okay. I'm just trying to get to make sure that my daughter is taken care of with the people that um that I'm leaving her with. Okay. So, April the thirteenth will review your extradition status at that time. Under, under rules and procedure, they have 10 days in which to notify the state of their intent to extradite. And so we'll check it back on April the 13th. All right. All right. So there you have it, his uh, his arraignment hearing. He's uh, due in court again on uh, on the 13th. And here he is, he, he, he appears, even in looking at his body language, he appears to be an angry individual. He got all choked up there when he was um, talking about his daughter. You know, if he was really concerned about his daughter, he wouldn't have been violent to his, uh, his baby's mama. You know, it's like uh, a horrendous situation. You know, folks, if, um, if you like this channel, if you like Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories and you're not subscribe to us please go on our youtube hit that subscribe button give us a thumbs up ring that bell if you want to support us we have a patreon with three different levels and we also have a youtube channel members if you, you see the folks in the chat in the green font they're part of our youtube family uh rocky 
Rocky uh, Rene, if, if, God forbid, he isn't charged or convicted of murder or eventually gets out of prison, would he immediately be taken by ICE and deported? You know, I can't uh, really answer that, Rock, Rocky Rene. Yes, um, that used to be the case. I don't know how powerful ICE is anymore. It seems like uh, not many people are getting deported. It used to be if you were convicted of a felony and you served your time here, it was automatic deportation upon completion of your sentence. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Folks, this Monday, and we've, uh, we're going to have Leslie Morgan Steiner on, who is a, she's been on before. She was on with Dr. Debbie Goodman last week. And we want to do a deeper dive into her story, her domestic violence story, because it's really a profound story. And here's this woman, Harvard University graduate, uh, the author of four books, uh, very well-educated, um, upper middle class. Not that that matters. I'm just pointing all of this stuff out that domestic violence can happen to anyone. Sometimes we look at it like, oh, it only happens to lower class people, people that are poor. Well, that's not true. It happens in all levels, different economic levels, uh, poor, middle class, upper middle class, rich people, uh, white people, black people, Asian people. It crosses all lines, and it's it's a it's a real horrendous situation in our society, you know. And we got to find out, and we got to see if we can help here too at Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If we can help, bringing on guests that can help and advise and educate, because it's such an important thing. As I speak right now, I guarantee there's people in the chat that are are or have been victims of domestic violence. And we don't want to see any victims, any more victims like Carly, uh, uh, Cassie Carly, because it seems that um, it can be it can be prevented. It can be, but and it, in no way am I uh, saying it's easy. It's a very difficult road for it to, for the prevention of this. Um, obviously, look in this case, Marcus Spanavello had rights. The court gave him visitation rights. He was allowed to see his daughter, you know, and uh, as a result, his his baby's mother, you know, if say there was no child in common, she probably would have chose to have nothing whatsoever to do with him. However, because there was a child in common, she had to deal with him and put herself uh, in harm's way. And it's it's so unfortunate that, that that's what occurs. But, uh, you know, the father does, in fact, um, have rights in these cases. So how, as, as women, potential domestic violence uh, victims, how do you protect yourselves? We're going to have a number of different guests come on and talk about that and how they did it and how what they recommend. What is, is their advice? Uh, um, those are some of the questions we're going to probably you know try to have answered. Lynn Scratish, it's been reported that he was not paying child support. That's uh, you know that is also Lynn. It's a direct violation of um, the family court order, and you're 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 held. You could be held in contempt of court for not paying uh, child support. Is it uncommon? But I don't know the um, status, whether they would arrest someone for that because it's sort of counterproductive. If you arrest someone 
and put them in jail, what means do they then have to ever pay it? Uh, they're going to be out of work because they're going to be they're going to be in jail. Um, uh, Rockin Renee, thank you, Bill, for your answer and for bringing attention to things we can change to make our lives safer. You know, it's so it's so so um, heartbreaking to see these cases escalate to the point of murder. I mean, it's unnecessary. It should never, ever happen. And again, very complicated. Look at these, um, look at these private organizations offering their services free of charge. They'll send someone with you to meet your, uh, your, your former boyfriend now that you have to do a custody exchange. They'll send someone with you to keep you safe. Uh, why wouldn't you take those services? Why wouldn't you uh, ally yourself with those services? A very, very important. Um, Milwaukee civilian, uh, how you doing? Peter Pranzo, single mama for Alicia B. Good to see you guys, Janine Dove. Uh, chef lady, Lynn Skadish. I'm just calling all you guys out in the chat. Thank you so much for being here today in New York and up in Westchester. It's a nasty, rainy cold day right now uh tom um tammy o'brien he should go to jail for non-support yeah i don't know tammy um the specific laws and behind that i know it's contempt of court could be he'd be arrested yeah but many judges would maybe choose not to arrest him because then it sort of takes away the means they could force him into court at some point uh then an arrest mate might be warranted uh B. Jalibra, is that? Um, I'm a victim of DV. The laws have to change. I moved hours away because he got on out on bond on a felony too. That's horrible. I mean, I can't even imagine the fear that a lot of you guys have gone through in dealing with this and uh, trying to... Angel Donmeyer, I'm going to read this. In Pennsylvania, you get jailed and license suspended for unpaid child support. That, that's good. I mean, it brings them to court, makes them answer for the for why they're not paying. You know, um, Tommy O'Brien and murder most certainly. Um, why was he allowed visitation? Lynn Scratish is asking. Well, the baby's father has certain rights, you know, uh, the right of visitation with his child. So that's the answer. But, you know, perhaps... Knowing the background of this, the judge should have said it had to be um, visitation uh, with several with other people there, because he was clearly dangerous. Um, you know, uh, Cassie should not have gone uh, to do the custody exchange alone, knowing how dangerous he was. I mean, when we saw the family talking about uh, that, he had threatened her with a gun. He had threatened her numerous times. Uh, Rochella Pranzo, thank you for this comment. There is a legal support system here on Long Island called Vibes. They help all DV violence victims and have an outstanding reputation. Uh, Rochella, thank you for that. I'm sure almost every um, jurisdiction has a nonprofit that'll help. Also, police departments can point you in the right direction. Family court, of course, should be pointing you in the right direction if it so reaches family court. Uh, Tommy O'Brien, I uh Tammy O'Brien, I'm sorry, 
Hope her family gets sailor and they sue for non-support after he goes down for murder. You know, folks, that's another part of this case is that it hasn't yet, uh, the autopsy results haven't been released yet. We're all waiting on that, uh, which will give the manner and the cause of death. You know, the manner being they'll rule, rule it a homicide and the cause could be uh, strangulation, blunt trauma, whatever it, it, it may be. I don't want to, uh, you know, predict what it's going to be. But that'll come out. And then uh, the, I, I think, and I could be wrong about this. I've been I'm wrong lots of times. Um, I think they may be waiting uh, to get closer to the extradition dates to um, release the information and to use that in conjunction with getting him extradited uh, back to Florida, where the case is, is undoubtedly going to be tried, I would think. Uh, Milwaukee civilian. I used to work for DCFS in Illinois during the 90s. We can only attach or garnish wages. We could never allow to let law enforcement know even when we knew that there was abuse. Is that the family court, Milwaukee civilian? I'm not sure of... Um, uh, Rock and Renee, uh, they will not withhold visitation because of late child support. That's something many falsely believe. So, you know, something I learned some new things uh, through doing this show. A lot of you folks have some experience with this. Marlene Barone, good afternoon. Good to see you. Um, there's many people out there that uh, maybe even domestic violence experts. Uh, infamous truth teller. Police off the cuff, um, you, said, well, you say police off the court, but we're off the cuff. You can say off the court. That's okay. Sorry I'm late. I'm a domestic and violence survivor and proud of it. Well, good. I'm glad. Of course, I'm glad you're a survivor. And you, the wisdom you gained for that, even though it's a horrible uh, situation, uh, the wisdom that you gained for it, you can, I'm sure, advise lots of people, and I'm sure you have, probably saved lots of people's lives. Marilyn Mineta, I'm a domestic violence survivor for 35 years, finally got out and never looked back. God bless. I'm so happy you guys got out safely. Uh, Marlene Barone again, um, Alicia B. The address of a battered woman's shelters are often not public to keep the ladies and staff safe from the abusers. You know, a precinct that I worked in, uh, had one of those safe uh, places for domestic violence victims to stay right across the street. And I had mentioned numerous times on the show that many times in custody exchanges, they would come into the precinct and exchange the child right in front of the desk. Probably the safest way is to do the exchange right in a police precinct. Uh, where else could you be safer? And then, you know, when they do the exchange, the, uh, the mom can wait till the the husband leaves and uh, get safely out of there. You know, uh, Pauline Rob, my domestic violence incident ended a bloody double murder. If, if I didn't escape with my two year old son, it would have been the two of us, no doubt. This was 1980, and I still have severe trauma for it. Well, Pauline, I'm sorry that you have trauma from that, but you know you survived. Thank God, and you're here and you're stronger. Uh, 
Infamous truth teller, um, just curious if you happen to get my emails of the PDFs about facts about domestic abuse. If you didn't, that's okay, but I sent them to you in your I did not get them. I looked at my email today. I didn't see um any PDFs in there. Infamous truth teller. If you want to resend them, I surely will read them. Um again, this um this this Monday at 9 p.m. We're going to have Leslie Morgan Steiner, author, mother, of course, uh, graduate of Harvard University, a very successful writer, four books out, and a domestic violence victim is going to be back on the show at 9 p.m. And we're going to talk about her harrowing, harrowing experiences. Uh, Rhonda uh, Husaro, I hope I said that correctly. Hi, everyone. Sorry I'm late. My daughter is going through this right now, and it's a nightmare with the court system. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, the court system tries to um, take into consideration both sides, but in doing that, they may endanger uh, one of the sides. And it's, um, it's yeah, it, it, it is a horrible situation. Uh, look, domestic violence is never pretty, you know, never, ever pretty. Um Folks, uh, infamous truth teller, it takes a long time for that light switch to go off because of the mental abuse, the psychological abuse. It takes a long time to undo what they did. And she's, of course, referring referring to the abuser, what the abuser has done to the person. And, um, yeah, it's it's just, um, it's a horrendous situation. And uh, no one wishes this on anyone, you know. Milwaukee Civilian Bill, this is a remarkable series of shows from Police Off the Cuff. I have been impressed, saddened, and filled with hope by all the people sharing their stories. Well, thank you, Milwaukee Civilian. One of the reasons that we are on here is to try to help people and share our knowledge about certain things. We have you know, some expertise, uh, expert status in some areas and not in other areas. I'm definitely not an expert in domestic violence. I've seen a lot of it as a police sergeant an NYPD uh, police officer. And unfortunately, some of the, the cases that we had ended up in, in murders, the domestic violence cases. But I think that the way the police department and police departments have changed the way that they respond to domestic violence has resulted in a lot less incidences of murder. Because early on in the abuse the, the the perpetrator or the uh, abuser gets arrested. And I believe that arrest prevents murders. I really do, uh, especially when it becomes multiple arrests. The person gets arrested early on, gets released, order of protection is issued, say he goes back and the court allows it, supervised visitation, and he violates it again and he gets arrested again. The criminal justice system doesn't play with domestic violence uh, the way it was handled back in the 60s and 70s. Lieutenant Pete Pranzo could probably tell us that it wasn't very effective. There was a lot of domestic violence murders, that cases that escalated because of the way the police department and police departments handled it. Uh, infamous truth teller, you have copies. You have copies of your documents because the first thing an abuser will do is take your documents, your birth certificates, your ideas. If you do leave, you have to have copies. Good advice infamous truth teller uh 
um, Rockin' Renee, I think it's Rockin' Renee, Angel Moya enforce payments, but if they try to prevent visitation, they will be found in contempt of the custody order, contempt for violations of custody orders in Pennsylvania. Look, every jurisdiction, I think, every state has different policies in dealing with uh, domestic violence. And it's, it's never... Uh, it's never a pretty thing. It's always, uh, you know, dealing dealing with the system is is not an easy thing. You know, uh, it's just it, it's just it can be a horrible thing dealing dealing with the court system, and it's uh, it, it can be a horrendous thing, as I said, because you know the court system has to look at both sides of the fence, even though one person. Maybe uh, maybe a lot more innocent than the other, and be the one aggrieved or grieved uh, more. And I would think in these cases, most of the time, the woman needs the protection of the criminal justice system. The woman needs the protection of the courts, and it just it gets to be just a scary thing that uh, they have to deal with these abusers and. Um, it's horrible. It's really horrible, folks. And that's again, as I said, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have other um, women come on our show, perhaps domestic violence experts, uh, surely domestic violence victims that that are gonna tell their story because this is an important topic. It's it's so so important. Uh, uh, Kathy Bates. A single mom before I agree, or when you told us it's not considered DV when the other person is also a firefighter and they beat out of you in in New York City. You know, I I, I didn't get that whole story, but um, look, cops, the cops and firefighters are involved in domestic violence incidents, and I'll tell you one thing: if you're a police officer in New York City and you're involved in that, they will they will not play with you. They will pull your guns. They will uh, put you on modified assignment. And uh, they will they will make sure that you follow the letter of the law. And it's happened to many people. And um, it's I, the days of police and firefighters getting away with stuff like that. I don't think it's it's occurring anymore, folks. Uh, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. Again, if you like this show from a police perspective, covering law enforcement topics, true crime, real crime stories, please uh, hit. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. And again, if you uh, if you want to help us out and um, you can be part of our Patreon or part of our YouTube family membership. Uh, uh, Lisa, how do we get custody judges to recognize these red flags? A friend going through similar issues, a DV case got downgraded to jostling charge. Horrible. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, if you study... Um, domestic violence and you uh, know a lot about it, it doesn't uh, get better. It gets worse. It escalates. And the longer it's allowed to go on, the more dangerous it gets uh, for the people involved in the, in the domestic violence cases. And it just, it's something that, you know, again, the police, the, um, the courts, it's it's such a really uh, sensitive 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 situation, uh, and, and 
it's you know it, it's something that but again it's it's a complicated situation um it's you know we saw the the whole case with Cassie Cauley and how uh at first it started out that uh she was missing you know and it was the the facts and circumstances were was that she went missing after she had went to, uh, after she had gone to meet her baby's father to do a custody exchange and then you know 24 hours had gone by and her father reported her missing the police went to visit Marcus uh, Spanavello in Birmingham, Alabama. At that point, he had custody of their four-year-old child. And um, Cassie, uh, Cassie was missing, right? And uh, I believe at that point, they, like, that was on a Wednesday, the child was removed from him. That was the first thing that Phil and I said uh, in this case is like, the first thing we would do is take the child from him. There's no way... I mean, if they allowed him to have the child, couldn't he potentially kill the child? Yeah. And that was one of the first things we said is that the child has to be removed. Um, infamous truth teller, domestic violence doesn't discriminate. Male, female, rich, poor, homeless, not homeless, ugly, cute, beautiful, famous, domestic violence is in every aspect of everybody's life, regardless of the economics. Yeah, I had touched upon that before infamous truth teller and you are 100% correct uh um rock and renee many times i'll plead out to a lesser charge we have a basketball coach in my small town that had a restraining order and five charges for violation of the resta- uh, restraining order they pled it all you know the other thing is is a lot of times we can hear about cases and not know about all the facts and circumstances. So we can't always look, there's cases where the male, the male involved in the case is, is innocent and has nothing, uh, has nothing to do with being violent. That that's just a bad relationship. And that happened also. But we're here to advise women and advise people that could be getting abused how to deal with this, you know? Uh, Amanda Causey, for some reason, an ex-partner's character and way of relationships isn't considered for children, and that's just so messed up when they assassinate character in every other way in family court. Look, I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure there's incidents where there's a husband and a wife or a, a dad and his child and the significant other when he, when the male is the more sane of the two individuals. Of course, that happens, you know? And that's why, you know, judges have to be wise and experienced and and, and listen to all the evidence. They can't just rule one way because of gender. And it's, you know, courts usually rule that the child is better off with um with the with the mother, with the with the female parent. Uh that just is the way it is. Karen Kennedy. Women learn about narcissistic personality disorder. Not all psychopaths are narcissistics, but all psychopaths are narcissists. It's dangerous when you decide to leave. You know, Karen, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, that was um, what um, 
Leslie Morgan Steiner, when we had her on the show, she said the most dangerous part of a domestic violence situation is when you choose to leave, when you when the breakup occurs. And that's when the violence can escalate. And that's when domestic violence victim uh, needs needs the most help and needs the most guidance, needs the most advice, needs people around her. Uh, so you're 100% right, and thank you so much for uh, pointing that out. Uh, it's These situations, again, there are private agencies that deal with domestic violence that will help you out, that will get you a place to live. And I, obviously, most of these folks, when they're going through these breakups, they don't have the finances to go live at another location. They may be the significant other may be the breadwinner and they may not have a job. So where are they going to go? Where are they going to turn to? Uh, and this has to be done um, clandestinely on the DL, as we used to say, on the down low, you know, uh, when I used to try to teach my students um, the word surreptitiously, what does it mean to be surreptitious? I would say it means to be on the down low. And then they understood the meaning of surreptitious. It means on the down low. I said, okay, I'll take that as a definition. You got to have some humor in there every once in a while, right? Uh, let's see. Amanda Causey or seems sane just because no emotion. Women usually have shaken emotion. Um, moonlight view. The line between right versus wrong should be made abundantly clear in custody and domestic violence cases via the court judges. Yes, but, you know, Moonlight View, we always count on judges to be smart, to be wise, but they're not always that, you know. Uh, um, Rockin' Renee S., my son, who was on his team, came home with welts and bruises covering his back after practice due to that coach. Wow, I don't think I would put up with that. I think that coach would have been getting handcuffs put on him that same day. I mean, that's crazy. Uh Barbara Ann, for me, the most dangerous time was when I told him I wanted out. I was becoming more independent, and he panicked. He was no longer in control. Well, Barbara Ann, thank you for sharing that. And we had spoke about that before, that the most dangerous part. And Leslie Morgan Steiner, when she was a guest on our show, said that exact thing. The most dangerous part is when you choose to leave, when you confront the situation. Uh, um, Eddie Stackpole, retired NYPD detective. Complicated for police, too. Victims turn on police, protective, protecting their abuser. 100%, Eddie, I have spoken about that, that you're, we, you know, one of the most dangerous jobs for a police officer to, officer to respond to is a domestic violence incident in someone's home. And you have to separate the couple. And then you have to determine what the hell happened. Because... A lot of times, once the police get there, the person who was abused doesn't want to tell them the truth because the other person is there. And they're intimidated by that other person. They're afraid. Or they have something called Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> and it, it, it exists in domestic violence incidents also, where you identify with your abuser. You know, And that happens lots of times. That's one of the first things we do what we try to do in domestic violence incidents, and it's very difficult sometimes in a small apartment, is to separate the couple 
and try to get them out of hearing each other what you know the distance that they can hear what each, each other is saying and have each get to tell their story of what occurred you know and um not an easy not an easy thing you know we we all followed the case of Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry and um to everyone that watches that um everyone that watches that video of when the Mohab police that they were highly criticized for the way they for the way they handled that um it it, it was it was a little bit scary you know it was a little bit scary that uh you could see now when you watch it you could see how scared she was uh how she seemed like this she was afraid to tell what really uh happened because i think she was um she was afraid of brian and you watch it now knowing what happened it's it's so so it's so so heartbreaking you know it's just and we we had sh- we had shown um you know, we had shown that video so many, so many times uh, that it was. I'm going to, in fact, bring it on the screen now because it just reminds us of, of another time. And just now that we we know what occurred, it just is really subject says to hit the curb. Correction speed limit is 15. And Captain got supplies and stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hit the, the bump there. I was distracting him from driving. I'm sorry. Can I get you to step out of the vehicle for me, ma'am? Yeah. Just hang tight right there. Um, do you mind if I take your keys and just put them on your hood? Yeah, I'm so Thank sorry. Thank you. Oh, no, you're fine. I'm going to go ahead and close your door. Okay. Why don't you come over here? SO229. I have the female that was on the passenger mm-hmm. seat separated from the male. Keys are on the hood. You want to tell me what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I, <laughs> I have really bad OCD. And okay. I just, I was just cleaning and creating a bag of ammo for and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I just get really frustrated. Not like mean towards him. I just like, I guess my vibe is like I really like in a bad mood. And I was just saying I'm sorry if I'm in a bad mood. I've just been really stressed. I had so much work I was doing on my computer this morning. What do you do for a living? Um, well, I, I hate for getting all organic juice bar, but I just hit my job. Okay. I was a nutritionist. That's what oh, okay. that was my That's job. Cool. And I just um, hit my job to travel across the country, and I'm trying to start a blog. Okay. Stuff. So I've been building my website. I've been really stressed. He doesn't really believe that I could do any of it. So kind of been like a, I don't know. He's like, in, you know, I don't know. We've just been fighting all morning, and and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because <laughs> you because you're OCD. Told me I needed to calm down. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm, calm all the time, and he really stresses me out, and I just. <laughs> This is a rough morning. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't I sit you down in the back seat of my car? You're not in any trouble, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to be putting handcuffs on you. You obviously don't have any weapons. I'm going to get you into the air conditioning, let you take a breath, relax a little bit, 
and then I'll come back and talk to you in a few minutes, okay? Okay. All righty. Like I said, you're not in any trouble. So just go ahead and take a seat. What's that? Yeah, I just spoke to her. So, you want to do me a favor? Let's go ahead and get you to step out of the vehicle. Alrighty. Well, folks, you know, we all know what happened as we watch that. It's heartbreaking uh, to, to know um, what what it became after that, you know. Uh, and it, when you watch uh, Gabby, you can see all the signs of uh, abuse during this incident. And we had spoken numerous times and when this occurred that we had thought that the police did a pretty good job. They spent an hour and 15 minutes on this job. You know, um, the um, an amount of time that you would never get in New York City in, in a job like this. They were able to uh, separate them. Many people thought that they, you know, when they dissected all what had occurred, that uh, perhaps they both should have been arrested. And maybe that would have uh, prevented the inevitability of what occurred. In, in the future, which was, of course, uh, the murder of Gabby Petito. Um, you know, very, 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 very tough, but um, horrible. Folks, I'm going to take a quick commercial break here. Uh, John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He's also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beatty litigates across the country for serious injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty, 917-797-9520. Of course, www.jbdlaw.com. We're getting a lot of lawyers, uh, you know, advertising with us. Of course, we have our the biggest uh, attorney here with Joe Murray. Joe Murray, who's been supporting this show. Joe Murray, attorney at law, jmurray-law.com. Joe's a fine defense attorney, a criminal defense attorney, and he's also a retired NYPD member of the service, was a police officer for 15 years. You can reach Joe Murray at joe at jmurray-law.com or on his website, jmurray-law.com. And Joe Murray, his cell is 718-514-3855. That's Joe Murray. And folks, we have another sponsor, uh, Converus, uh, the secret to quickly hiring the best police officers before your competition does. With an extremely limited job candidate pool, law enforcement agencies must have to quickly identify and hire qualified police officers before any other agency does. That's why nearly 70 U.S. agencies have updated their hiring process to include iDetect, a fast, affordable, non-invasive, unbiased, and automated lie detector that accurately identifies lies by watching the eyes. 
iDetect also helps solve crimes. iDetect, uh, excuse me, Converis CEO Todd Mickelson shared stories about how iDetect is changing the way the world detects deception. Remember, the eyes don't lie. Converis.com, 1-801-331-8840 or info at Converis.com. So, folks, we were spending time uh, talking about domestic violence and how important it is. It seems like every day you hear about another case of uh, someone murdered in regards to a domestic violence case. Um, it, it's just a, a horrendous situation. We're trying to help people out there, get people educated on the warning signs about some of the things. Amanda Causey, not all judges are DV, DV aware. And all its ways, so no one is accountable for orders that make women victims or another. I'm not sure what, what you mean there, Amanda. Um, infamous truth teller. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter what you try to eliminate to prevent arguments, abusers, and controlling people. Always have find something to complain about, make us feel it's our fault. Uh, you know, look, in, in abusive relationships, um, there's only one solution, and that's to get out of the abusive relationship, to leave. And easy to say, more complicated to do. But uh, an abusive relationship doesn't get better. It gets worse. You know, It escalates, and it gets worse all the time. So we've seen, we've seen these cases, and uh, of course, uh, Cassie Cawley, heartbreaking case. Uh, and you know, here's a case... And again, always, we, we Monday morning quarterback, here's a case that uh, shouldn't have occurred, you know. All the warning signs were there that this was a toxic relationship. Uh, and unfortunately, she had to deal with him because of their child, you know. How else can she deal with this guy, you know. An extremely toxic relationship, and the courts had ordered that, you know, that he got to uh, see his child. So they had a, a custody exchange, uh, I guess at least twice a month, and which put her in quite a bit of danger, you know. And now we're learning that there are agencies, there are private groups that will accompany women to do these custody exchanges so that they feel safe. Uh, Phil and I had recommended that you take the child into a police precinct and do the exchange inside a police precinct. On the night that uh, Cassie disappeared, the location uh, where they were going to do the exchange had changed. Uh, that potentially was a red flag. And um, it's just, it, this case just turned out to be a horror. Again, we still don't know. Uh, the authorities undoubtedly at this point know the results of the autopsy. However, we still have not been apprised of it. We still have not been told that the the, um, the manner and the cause of death it, ha it hasn't been it has been determined. It just hasn't been released by the police authorities, and that is probably an investigative strategy, a prosecutorial strategy. But we, in fact, uh, don't know about it, and um, uh, we should we should find as soon as it's released we'll find out and we'll we'll do another show on that and what it means uh, to the case um, infamous truth teller 
I was trying to say is that it's classic behavior of the abuse to say it's their fault because they know later on it will probably cause an argument if they told the truth, but it doesn't matter. Uh, infamous truth teller, so true. I guess that's why you're called the infamous truth teller because you absolutely 100% tell the truth. Um, Schmitty, same if you meet someone to sell an item, meet at police parking lot where there are always people watching. Uh, it's going to those police parking lots going to be packed with all the people going there to feel safe for different reasons. Uh, uh, copper petals. When will they release autopsy report and the cause of death? Uh, copper petals. Your guess is as good as mine. I think the police are holding that for. There might be some reason, investigative reason, they're holding the release of that. Um, I can't answer for them. It should be released soon. That's all I could say. I cannot. His next, um, Marcus Spanabello's next court appearance is on the 13th. So it usually takes about, when someone fights extradition, it takes about 30 days uh, for the county that's trying to extradite uh, the perpetrator uh, to draw up the paperwork and for the judge to rule on it. So that could be why they're holding back the results of the autopsy. Uh, that's a guess of mine. I don't have any insider information. Um, uh, infamous truth teller, if you're ever in a public place or where there's other people and you're being abused, the tip is to never yell. Uh, yell never yell help. Yell because people will come out looking for the fire. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, because there's still a stigma of people saying if they hear somebody yelling out, they don't want to get involved because it's like, oh, it's just a relationship. I don't want to get involved. Um, infamous truth teller, look, I think that if you draw, if you are in danger in public, drawing attention to yourself is absolutely the best thing you can do to get people to come to your assistance. Uh, um, Pink Nainam, uh, hello from Oxford, UK. Good to see there's still people from the UK watching. Um, so, folks, again, I, as I spoke about before, Leslie Morgan Steiner, a, uh, an author, a domestic violence survivor, uh, a, a speaker, she's coming on the show again this Monday night at 9 p.m. to talk about her experience and about, in regards you know, to this case and what it means and how domestic violence victims can be safe uh, in the future. Um, uh, Schmitty, nah, or a neighboring place. Cameras from police stations stretch far and wide around here. They do anyway, upgraded after the Ferguson incident. So, folks, we're just trying to help out and give some. Uh, uh, anyone wants to reach me, uh, just you can email me at policeoffthecuff.com. I'll put it in the uh, in the chat. Um, you know, folks, I just want everyone to know we get sent cases all the time and we can't like do every case that was sent. So please don't feel bad if there's a case that you send me and I can't, uh, feature it on here. Uh, as I said, there's just so much time and so many cases and we can't feature every case. Um, and there may be a case that's near and dear to your heart, but we can't, uh, we can't do everyone. So just, Please understand that. So, folks, um, 
I hope we covered a lot of this today and uh, help some people out. Maybe some people that are in the midst of this stuff. Uh, I hope that we get through and maybe save someone's life. You know, uh, if that's a possibility, and if I help to do that, that makes me feel really good that I could help someone out. Uh, as I said, if you want to uh, talk to me or talk to Phil or Mark, you know, you can police off the cuff dot com is our, is our email um excuse me police off the cuff i'm sorry i i screwed that up um let me let me put it in the chat it's um it's actually the 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 website is police off the cuff dot com the email is police off the cuff one oh excuse me it's not dot com um it's at email Okay, folks, you got that. So it's policeoffthecuff1 at gmail.com. One of these days I'll get used to uh, all the all this internet stuff and email and all this other stuff, you know, one of these days. So, folks, again, thank you so much for listening today. I know it's a, in, up in, in Westchester where I'm. It's a, it's an ugly, ugly, nasty day. So uh, it was my pleasure to come and talk to you guys. So, folks, hopefully I'll see you soon. Till we meet again, have a safe day. Bye now. One episode, just ain't enough.